Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to The Haunted Collection with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane, here to bring you some gruesome tales to, to horrify your evening with. So sit back and enjoy. Thank you so much for tuning in once again for The Haunted Collection. As always, before I get started, I just want to invite you to visit my website. Go to myhaunteddolls.com and be sure to check out my store while you're visiting. I have many books out there I've written based on ghost stories and haunted items that I've collected over the years. There are... 12 of them out there, and there's also another one available on ebook on Amazon. In fact, you can find all of my books on ebook, and even a couple of them on audio. So be sure to check those out if you have not already. Please do. I always appreciate your support. Also, be sure to check out my YouTube channel if you like to see some videos I've done with my haunted items and other things. YouTube.com forward slash C as in cat forward slash My Haunted Dolls. I also have a Facebook page called My Haunted Dolls. <laughs> and then also there's an Instagram account, which I believe is My underscore Dolls, or actually My underscore Haunted underscore Dolls. So check those out if you'd like to. If you'd like to make a donation to help me keep my YouTube going, go to patreon.com forward slash myhaunteddolls and donate today or be a recurring donor and get some awesome benefits. Be sure to check all that out and thank you so much in advance. Without further ado, let's go ahead and get started with our first story. This first one is based on an old horror tale by Robert E. Howard, which in turn was inspired by an African-American folklore. I give you the tale called The Stairs. Two men named Banner and Griswell were hitchhiking on a lonely country road, but no cars would stop for them. They were tired and sick of walking. The sun was setting fast and they needed to find a place to spend the night. They came across an old deserted house and decided to take shelter inside. The garden was overgrown with weeds and bushes. The front door creaked open on rusty hinges, and a carpet of dust lay on the floor. The two men took some tins out of their backpacks and ate a small meal. Then they unrolled their blankets on the floor, made themselves comfortable, and fell asleep. In the middle of the night, Griswell suddenly awakened from a troubled sleep. 
It was dark, and he was shivering with the cold. All of a sudden, he heard a strange noise. It was a high-pitched whistling sound. Just then, he noticed his friend. Banner was standing in the shadows, listening intently. He looked as if he was in some kind of trance. Then the man began walking slowly up the stairs, his boots clomping on the wooden steps. The shrill whistling grew louder. Griswell wanted to call out to his friend and tell him to come back, but the words died in his throat. Banner kept walking up the stairs and eventually disappeared from view. Suddenly, the footsteps stopped, and Griswell held his breath. He waited and waited. Then he heard an awful scream that split the silence of the night and almost made him jump out of his skin. Then the footsteps resumed and came back down the stairs. Griswell was trembling with fear as he saw a pair of boots walking slowly down the stairs. In the moonlight, he could see a groping hand on the banister. A ghastly chill ran down Griswell's spine when he saw the other hand. It was clutching a bloody hatchet. Then he caught sight of his friend's face. It was deathly pale. His eyes were glazed over and his mouth was twisted in a ghoulish grin. Blood was dripping down his forehead from a huge gash that almost split his skull in two. Griswell let out a blood-curdling shriek and fled from the house. He ran blindly through the pitch-black night, desperately trying to get away from the old house. He ran and ran, all the time imagining his friend chasing him with his bloody axe and his bloody head and his ghastly death grin. He ran and ran until he collapsed exhausted. In the morning, he managed to find a police station and told the sheriff what he had seen. Together, they went back to the old house to check it out. Griswell's blood ran cold at the thought of what they might find. The sheriff opened the creaking door and looked inside. Griswell peered nervously over his shoulder. On the floor, he saw his friend... Banner was lying face down in a pool of blood, his head almost cleaved in half. His dead hand was still clutching the handle of the hatchet. The blade of the hatchet was embedded in the floor, 
at exactly the same spot where Griswell's head had been lying the night before. The sheriff searched the house from top to bottom, but he did not find another living soul. Have your taste buds been tempted for more gore? Well, friends, keep sitting comfortably because I'm bringing you the next gory story for our episode. This one is called Deep Freeze. William Kemp hated his wife. They had been married for twenty years, and he was tired of hearing her nagging voice. He was sick of listening to her criticize and belittle him. Every day it happened, and he was fed up with the way she ordered him around as if he was a slave. William intended to get rid of his wife once and for all. He had planned everything perfectly. When his wife came home that evening, she put the groceries in the refrigerator and told her husband to start cooking dinner. Instead, William told her that he had a surprise for her. He knew she loved surprises. It's in the basement, he said with a smile. As his wife made her way down the stairs into the darkened basement, William took a meat cleaver from the kitchen drawer and followed her. Minutes later, he was wiping the sweat from his brow. He never thought chopping up a woman's body would be such hard work. There were six pieces in all, head, arms, legs, and torso. He carefully wrapped up each piece in newspaper and tied it neatly with a piece of rope. When he had finished, there were six tidy bundles sitting at his feet. William picked them up and tossed them into the deep freeze. Then he shut the door and secured it with a padlock. After mopping the basement floor, he went back upstairs to wash the meat cleaver in the kitchen sink. Leaning back in his armchair, William let out a sigh of relief. He was free, free. If anyone asked, he would tell them that his wife had run off with another man. Nobody would suspect that she was really in the basement freezer. He started drifting off to sleep. 
the house was peaceful and quiet, very quiet, except for the bumping sound. William sat up straight and listened. Something was flopping and thudding up the basement stairs. The noise was getting closer and closer. Suddenly, William woke up. He knew it was just a dream, but it had seemed all too real. His heart was pounding, and sweat was dripping down his face. He opened the kitchen drawer and took out the meat cleaver. Then he went back down to the basement to check the deep freeze. It was still securely locked. He was about to go back upstairs when he noticed something on the floor. A chill ran down his spine. It was a sheet of bloody newspaper. William unlocked the deep freeze and looked inside. To his horror, he realized that it was empty. All six packages were missing. As he stood there in stunned silence, he thought he saw moving something moving out of the corner of his eye. A shadow scuttled across the floor behind him. He whirled around, but there was nothing there. Just then he heard a click and the lights in the basement went out. He was plunged into darkness. Then he heard a rustling sound. It came closer and closer until it seemed to be coming from all sides. He was surrounded. William backed up against the wall and began swinging the meat cleaver wildly. In the darkness, he could not see a thing. All he could hear was the horrible rustling of the newspaper. Then, all of a sudden, something slithered between his legs. He felt icy fingers wrap around his neck. He tried to scream, but nothing would come out. Something grabbed the meat cleaver from his hand, and he felt the fingers around his neck tighten, choking him until he was unconscious. It wasn't until weeks later that the police searched the basement. They opened the deep freeze, and inside they found the lifeless, frozen body of William Kemp. He was surrounded by the dismembered body parts of his wife.
Have you had enough gruesome terror? Well, I'm sorry, but I'm not quite finished yet. <laughs> Here comes the next story. Now this story, this scary story involves a butcher shop and, of course, some raw pork. I give you a story called Pig Meat. Of course I remember what happened on that terrible evening. Even if I wanted to, I could not forget the events of that damned night. I know you do not believe me. No one in their right mind would believe it. I myself would have laughed at anyone who had even hinted at something like that if I had not seen with my own eyes that disgusting, unspeakable, and unnatural spectacle. But you need the details, and I'll have to start from the beginning. We moved into this neighborhood two years ago. My wife and I, with our two children, bought a nice cozy house on this quiet, shady street. My wife is a wonderful mother. She spent the whole day doing household chores. Our children went to school nearby, and I went to work in the city center. We were a happy family, until some bad luck made me buy that damn meat. You've probably seen the butcher shop on Main Street, the one where the gloomy fat man stands behind the counter all day, wearing a bloody apron and proudly displaying his big lumps of raw meat in the window. In his shop, the meat is always fresh and juicy, and no matter if you fry it, roast it, or boil it, the succulent meat just melts in your mouth. I do not know what made me enter his wretched shop and buy three kilograms of pork that evening. Had I known then how things would turn out, I would never have set foot across his threshold. But I was unaware of the dangers, even though I glimpsed the evil glint in the eyes of that vile butcher when he handed me the package of meat, and even though I noticed that despite the cold weather, the meat was very warm. How could I have been so careless? When I got home, I threw the package of meat in the fridge and went upstairs, collapsing into bed without even undressing. It had been a hard day at work and I was extremely tired. My children were playing somewhere in the street and my wife was hanging up clothes in the backyard. I didn't sleep very well. I had a very strange dream. I dreamed that I was at a pig farm, wandering around aimlessly, making my way through the mucky styes. The buildings were falling apart and looked almost as if they had been abandoned. 
There were remnants of stone walls, pieces of charred wood and other garbage. The styes were filled with pigs, and the disgusting animals were wallowing in the mud, rolling over and over and covering themselves with dirt. These fat pigs stared at me as I walked past, with drool and slobber dripping from their snouts. There was something otherworldly, something inexplicable about the place. It exuded the air of something disgusting and evil. I wandered among strange ramshackle buildings and the mucky pigsties as if I was spellbound. Something inside me would not allow me to leave this accursed place. I was looking for something, but I did not know what. Then I found it. Half hidden under a layer of mud was a hatch with a rusty iron ring. I do not know why I did not run away from there at once. Instead, I pulled up the rusty ring, opened the hatch, and peered down into the darkness. A set of stone steps led down to a dungeon. A faint ray of sunlight lit up one tiny corner of the dungeon, and that's when I saw them. Bones. The floor of the dungeon was littered with bones. Hundreds, thousands of skeletons lying there in the dark. Some were very fresh with hunks of meat still clinging to them. Others were dry and dusty and must have been there for years. I don't remember how long I crouched there, staring down into that monstrous cave. All of a sudden, I woke up in a cold sweat. It was the middle of the night. My heart was pounding in my chest, and I could barely breathe. I looked over and saw my wife snoring peacefully beside me. Although I tried, I could not get back to sleep, and when I looked out the window, I saw the sky was already beginning to brighten as the dawn approached. I decided to take an early morning drive to calm my nerves. I got into my car and drove out to the countryside. I wanted to get some fresh air and convince myself that my nightmare was no more than a delusion. When I got back to my house, it was around noon. As soon as I opened the door, the unmistakable smell of grilled meat hit my nostrils. At that moment, it seemed like the most appalling and terrible stench I had ever smelled. I went into the kitchen and saw my wife and children sitting at the table. They were eating big hunks of juicy, roasted meat, the same meat I had bought at the butcher's shop. I watched them gnawing the cooked flesh off the bone like wild animals, chewing, chomping, and slurping with abandon, then swallowing it down with relish.
Their hands and mouth were covered in grease, and they licked their lips hungrily. My wife was about to say something to me, when suddenly she stopped in mid-sentence and started coughing and choking. The children started coughing and spluttering, too. Then they all fell to the ground and began writhing around, foaming at the mouth. I stood there, unable to move, but I saw everything, all the hideous details. No, no, please don't force me to remember that abominable scene. How can I put such a monstrous sight into words? How can I describe the way my wife and children suddenly started gnawing on each other's limbs, tearing off pieces of flesh with their teeth? I can't bear to talk about how they grabbed knives and began slicing pieces of flesh off of each other and devouring them. I simply cannot put into words the grisly mess they made as they gobbled and chunked and chewed on each other's bones until all that was left were just three skeletonized bodies lying in a pool of blood and guts on the nice white tiled floor of the kitchen. And that's how the police found me the next morning surrounded by the skeletal remains of my beloved family. They dragged me out in handcuffs and accused me of horrible crimes. They told lies about me and said I ate my entire family. No, no, it's not true. Do not believe their lies. They're involved in a conspiracy against me. They're protecting the butcher. They've eaten his damned meat, and they're lying to protect him. You too. You too. You probably ate the meat. That's why you don't believe me. You ate that damn meat. You're no longer people, you hear me? You're not people anymore. You're meat. Meat, I say. Living and breathing carcasses covered in horrible, disgusting, juicy, succulent, delicious, human meat. I hope you enjoyed my gruesome brood of stories there. Be sure to tune in again in a couple of weeks when I return with some more spooky, scary stories, including a ghost story from right here in my home state of Alabama. You don't want to miss that, so be sure to tune in. And until then, I thank you so much for your support and for listening to my show. Please be sure to take care of yourselves, keep your doors and windows locked, and keep a lookout behind you for any creepy goings-on, including fresh meat. (laughs) Until then, 
Have a happy haunting. Ha <laughs> ha.